Hey everyone, welcome to That Triathlon Life Podcast. I'm Paula Finley. I'm Eric Lagerstrom. I'm Nick Goldston. And welcome to episode... What is it? 42. 42 of the TTL podcast. Uh, we have come so far. We uh, are coming off a high after 70.3 World Championships. Huge thank you to everyone who watched the vlog this week, who listened to the podcast last week. Uh, a great response. And uh, yeah, we're just excited to be back here with a little bit more normal format, answering a lot of questions. Eric and I are both professional triathletes. Nick is a professional musician, amateur triathlete, and our very good friend. Paul, I bet you didn't know that Eric and I secretly recorded leading up to the beginning of the podcast, and we're going to release it to our podcast subscribers as a little pre-roll excitement. Oh, really? When we messed up the three, two, one claps and everything? Oh, yeah. All Game plan banter. That yeah. is funny. <laughs> I was wondering why Eric was recording so early. Yeah. Well, oh, you I gave just, it away, Eric. Um, I just want to jump in real quick. Pa- Paula didn't really ever take a breath during her amazing intro, but... That video that we put out about her racing in St. George was actually our 150th video on that triathlon life. It ticked us over 50,000 YouTube subscribers, and it's just one of our most popular our most popular video to date. So it's a little bit of a milestone. It's yeah. Nick tried to send us a picture of what 50,000 people at a concert <laughs> looked like. It's and unbelievable the it's amount just, of people. It's so hard to fathom um, 50,000 people who who care about what we're doing. So You know what? When you look at a video and it has like a bunch of views, it's hard to know how many of those people actually enjoyed the video versus just like, oh, this thumbnail and title looks interesting. Let me click on it, right? Whereas 50,000 subscribers is 50,000 people who went, I like this enough to press this extra button after having watched the video. Yeah. And I'd say it's a little bit more of a commitment than an Instagram follow. So it's, it's harder to get uh, YouTube subscribers than it is to get followers on Instagram. So good job, Eric. Yeah. Yeah. No, it, it feels really cool. And Nick and I were talking about it earlier today. It's, it's like a really cool number, but Nick asked me how it felt, and I, I still think it's it's cool, cooler than any numbers out there. Like when people come up to us at races and tell us how like the show means something to them, that's that's still the coolest part. Yeah, and pretty much every intro of email that we get for questions also says the same thing. Yeah, we've made them do the sport or whatever the hell. So yeah, it's cool. You know something I always wonder, and I wish we could have like some kind of polling mechanism for this, is I wonder, for example, the podcast listeners, I wonder what percentage of podcast listeners have never done a race but want to do a race. Like, I wonder how far we skew. Is it like 1%? Is it 20%? That's yeah. something that, that peeks into my mind every once in a while. Totally. And if we could compare that to the YouTube right. subscribers and, and yeah, what's the relative, like, Who's who's finding the YouTube channel versus finding the podcast, and what do you all care about? And I don't know. Data's cool. Yeah. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna jump in here because we got a lot of questions to get to. But first thing is, I invented a new segment for the podcast because I am committed to the pod, and it is called Pop Quiz with Paula. Well, Nick's going to make a jingle. I might incorporate you singing into the jingle, Paula. No, 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 no. Like no. a little tune in the news, but yeah, with yeah. your voice. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> actually, like, yeah, <laughs> confirm that's going to happen. We can redo it, but Nick's going to make a jingle. Nick had no idea this was coming, so surprise to Nick. Surprise to Eric. And uh, it'll be a fun segment. Sometimes I'll have questions for Nick. Sometimes I'll have questions for Eric. But this pop quiz specifically is for you, Nick. So Okay, great. Hold on to your horses. It's actually from a subscriber or from okay. a from a listener. So they sent this in and they said, "Don't tell Nick. Here's some fun questions." Okay, okay are you here ready? We go. Yeah, I'm, I guess I'm ready. 
Number one, who is the lead guitarist of Guns N' Roses? Uh, Slash. <laughs> Isn't that right? Yes. Yeah. Ding, 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 ding. Yeah, thank you. Okay. Oh boy, I'm not good at music trivia like this. We're not, this is not lost on us, the, the hysterical nature of the Slash. Oh, okay. shoot. Okay, I didn't even think of that. Oh my God. Right, right, right. Of course. Okay, what is the nickname of former professional NFL player Cordell Stewart? Slash. Yeah. No way. <laughs> that was a complete guess. Yeah, that is the correct answer. Okay. Okay. Wow. Wow. Uh, what does a pageant contestant wear around their torso to indicate where they represent? <laughs> is it a sash? Yes. yes. Ding ding ding. Okay, great. Oh my god, this is brilliant. <laughs> what genre of movie includes Friday the Thirteenth, Candyman, mm, and Child's easy. Play? Slasher. Yep, ding, 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 ding. Of course, of course. Is this your favorite pop quiz ever? This is, yeah, of course. Well, I failed every other pop quiz in my life, so this is the first one I'm so far 100% on. Okay, and the last one is, what does the Hulk do? Hulk smash. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Of course, of course. Wow. I mean, slash, 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 smash. Yeah. Wow, a resounding success on the first edition of uh, Pop Quiz with Paula. Yeah, and a huge thank you to Everett for sending in those very creative questions that made Nick say the word slash or something like it. Right. Yeah. Six times. I didn't even I didn't even notice with the first one with yeah. like slash the guitarist. Yeah. That's so funny. Uh, wow, amazing, incredible! I cannot wait for the next uh, installment of that of Pop Quiz with Paula. Yeah, it's gonna be hard to top that. Yeah, that's a good. That's one. That's really, 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 really solid. <laughs> Any listener who wants to send me in some pop quizzes. Go for it. Oh, good luck with that, Paul. You just opened you up You might want to set box. some parameters, like five questions. Okay, they got to be five questions. It's got to be for Nick or Eric or both. They have to be funny. They have to be one-word answers. And they have to... I like that. Uh, they don't have to say slash. No, 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 yeah, no. And as a matter of fact, I think we've exhausted that. <laughs> as a matter <laughs> if of I fact, say so myself. <laughs> totally Ideally, these are short answers. They're not. Yeah. Um, should, what is the first piece of triathlon equipment I should spend money on? Right, right, <laughs> right, right, right. Is that's it an arrow quiz? <laughs> yes, yeah, that's not a pop quiz with Paula. Um, well, that's awesome, Paula. Are we allowed to move on here? Totally. That was it. That was fantastic. So. Uh, we are. We'd like to thank our podcast subscribers. Uh, you, you, you guys so far are making this possible. We just got a bunch of new gear ordered. It's on the way. This will be the last pod we do with this mic setup, for Eric and Paula. So hopefully, the pod after this will be. You'll notice an increased uh, sound quality, and it might be a little bit easier and a little more natural for Eric and Paula to talk to each other. Yeah, I'm going to notice not having a kink in my neck for the next day yeah, after trying go. to lean into this microphone. <laughs> there you go. Um, you can submit your questions and support the podcast with your monthly subscription at thattriathlonlife.com slash podcast. And every once in a while, including this week, we send out little surprises and messages. So uh, check that out if it if that sounds interesting to you. Our first question is from Brady. Brady says, hey guys, coming from mainly a swim background, I consider myself a pretty good swimmer, but just how fast are the pros in the front group of the swim really swimming? With how many variables play into open water, it can be hard to tell how fast they are moving compared to bike and run numbers. What does a top pack swimmer like you, Eric, swim for times in the pool? So that's the first part. We can read the second part after we address that. Real fast. Yeah, it's unbelievable how fast. Um, so I don't know. No, like- but for for a college swimmer, not fast. Oh yeah. 
Well, yeah. Uh, but, so I think well, he he was saying he does a, a four hundred, sorry, a five hundred yard free in like four forty five to four fifty. Yeah, he's okay. he's fast. So that's what I did in high school. Um, and I don't think I could do that now. Basically, I think the difference, what happened as I went from like high school swimming through just like college learning to run and becoming fit enough to be a professional triathlete is that like maybe I've slowed down to I could do a five minute 500, but I can do three in a row and get out of the water and go ride 300 watts. Right. So it's like the top end speed is not what it used to be, but like the almost top end speed I can hold for 20 minutes and be not that phased. So like short course meters is what we swim here in Bend. So apologies if that doesn't mean anything to you. But if we were to do like 20 by 100 on like 20 seconds rest, I could go like 109-ish. And then we go do a hard bike workout afterwards. And for people, yeah. for context, Eric was fourth out of the water at 70.3 World Championships. So definitely yeah. up with the fastest, I'll, fastest I'll guys. Also, just to finish off the little thing about me, I am terrible at flip turns. If I was a lot better flip turn, I think I could take like three seconds off per hundred. I was just going to say, Eric is exceptionally good at wetsuit open water swimming. And sometimes the struggle that pool swimmers have is the transition to open water in a pack, swimming with a wetsuit. That's all very different. So I think it's something you definitely have to get used to. But if you can swim a 450 to five minute 500, you're definitely going to be up there with the front pack, I would say, based on your swim strength. Front pack of age groupers, like I mean, that sounds like, could, could he be front pack of professionals? Yeah. <clears throat> Assuming you're like 1500 time, it doesn't have a big drop off in pace from that 500 time. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. Cool. Brady also says, P.S. Eric, I love you, man. I'm guessing that's in, in, in relation to uh, the, your race in St. George. Oh. We all felt for you a lot. Thanks, dude. I appreciate that. Um, next question is from Steven. Hey guys, the pod from a couple weeks ago got me thinking, what are your thoughts on drivetrain accessories like oversized pulley wheels on derailers, ceramic bottom brackets? Are they worth it? I'm piecing together a SRAM ETAP drivetrain and contemplating getting a SRAM stock bottom bracket or a Kogel or ceramic speed bottom bracket. Thanks, Steven. Super duper cool if you have the money to spend on it. Right. And I w- this is kind of in that category of like, might save you two to three watts. Yeah. For, from like what I remember from when I worked at a bike shop. So um, if that's worth it to you and the oversized pulley wheels look rad and all that, then go they for it. Do, they do look rad. <clears throat> what I'll say is like, if you get those things, you better have every other piece of gear totally dialed already. Yeah. Right? And I, I would say you definitely want to go with like the waxed chain. It's just like you're going down that rabbit hole of every last thing. Little marginal gains. Um, also, is it possible to set up a new SRAM group set without a blip box? That's that's a tough one. So, like, we set up Paula with the wireless blips, and you can. I can't remember if you can technically set those up without without the blip box at all. But once if you have the blip box and you set it up, then you can adjust it via the app, the SRAM Access app. Like, so you could hide more. the blip box in a. You don't even need to have spot. the blip box on the bike. Okay. Oh, wow. Okay. If you have two sets of wireless blips. So that's like the coolest setup and what we have on Paula's bike. Um, Yeah. But I'm pretty sure you need a blip box just for like the initial setup. Got it. Um, Okay. Well, there you go, Stephen. Hopefully that helps. Next question is from Audrey. Hey, guys. Congrats on a fantastic season. Looking forward to seeing Paula race Indian Wells soon. I just got my first ever shipment of TTL merch and love it. So first of all, for podcast listeners who only follow the podcast, 
uh, Paula is racing Indian Wells December 4th, right? Yeah, that's right. I made the decision to do Indian Wells instead of Daytona. Very difficult decision, but it will be a lot easier travel, and we have some fun, exciting news related to the travel to get there. So we'll talk about that later. Yeah, I've I've heard. I've heard this exciting news. (laughs) Eric might race undecided. I don't know. I'm leaving know. it. I'm leaving it open. Like I yeah. love that race. It's fun. Last time I was there, got second to Lionel. Had a good time, and there's like this off chance that I will become fresh enough and break away from the fatigue from Worlds and stuff just in time to have a good race. But no matter what, we'll both be down there. Yeah, fun. And I will try to be down there for the race day. My birthday is the day before, and I'm gonna have a little party here in LA. And my friends and my family are gonna be here, so I'm still gonna come down and watch you guys. So you won't see me in the morning, but you'll see me after. And, and by you, I mean. You too, Eric and Paul, the people on FaceTime in front of me. Yeah, cool. Uh, The question is, your vlog is both inspirational and beautiful. I love the content, the behind the scenes, but equally appreciate the editing, cinematography, music, etc. My question is for Eric, would you ever consider selling digital downloads of some of the beautiful shots you take? I'm thinking specifically back to the pics you shared at the end of the long way home after Oceanside, but also the overhead shot you ended last Sunday's vlog with too. Basically, Eric, does that sound interesting to you or is there maybe like a version of that that sounds interesting? Um, yeah, I've thought about this a lot, and and you're not the first person to message me, us, whatever, about it. And so Nick and I are going to look into it a little bit, see if there's a way to do that seamlessly, where you could get a high enough quality download to actually print, but very intriguing and also flattered that you would want to put a picture that we took on your wall. I the I looked into a service that will actually print it out and frame it and send that to someone. Um, and that seems like it's, and it integrates through Shopify. So it would be easily, easy to put on the site and anyone that wanted it could just kind of get it on demand. Mm, Okay. Well, stay tuned. Yeah. So that'll be, we'll definitely talk about it again, uh, if, and when we figure that out. Also love that you referenced that, that specific video. That is one of Nick and my, and I think Paula's all time favorites. Oh, for sure. But very underrated via number of views. Yeah, just uh, yeah. I love that video. Of course, love that video. So magical. That time was great. Uh, looking forward to the off season and <laughs> not slash winter videos and picks to come. Thank you, Audrey. Uh, next question is from Mike C. Hi, Eric and Paula. Just wanted to give a bit of feedback. The hat is amazing. Details of the fabric on the bill, along with the texture, love it. Uh, listening to the pod and hearing you guys put time into your product selection, and I feel it shows. Uh, yes, definitely put a lot of time, Eric and Paula, and sometimes me, put a lot of time into picking every little detail. Like just today, we were going back and forth about colors of the logo on a new p- potential piece of gear that we're all working on. And like every little detail is like so important to us. I wonder if anyone appreciates that. Um, well, I think the, at the end of the whole thing, if you like the look of the thing, that's the goal. So. You don't necessarily want to notice that we like put a lot of attention into it. That is so wise. You just want to put it on, like it, like the feel, like how it looks. You don't really know why. You don't think about why. You just like it. Yeah, that is so wise. I think I think Nick had like a good line very early on in TTL stuff of like the shirt with the logo on. It looks like should look like the logo was like the shirt was born with it on it. Like right. not that it was added or anything. Right. Like it's just it's been there yeah. since the beginning of time. Yeah. Our current. Uh, design process is like surrounding colors of the logo because we've broken away a little bit from doing everything with the three classic colors within the logo and we're doing a little bit of like 
yeah, alternative colors. So we have a really cool zip up hoodie coming in February and we're just trying to decide what colors look good on it. Like I think peach is really in style. Um, and then stuff that we've sold in the past, the mustard crew neck did really well. So just thinking about what people like is really like the most important factor of the design process. Yeah. This is not the question that this person No, asked, sorry. The though. question is, I do have one question for you both and Nick. Top three tips for Indian Well 70.3. I did go back and watch the video from a while back, which by the way is the first video I ever saw, the first TTL video mm-hmm. I ever saw, which is That's what very of, close to the first video ever. Oh yeah, there you go. No. It's, well, the first video, no, that can't possibly be. Was that a whole year later? No, 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 no. It was before COVID. It was before we had yeah. our TTL logo and all that. Oh, like, definitely before that, because I remember yeah. the birth of that. Yeah. It was kind of just like a vlog that we put out, you know? Yeah, it yeah. It oh, was, yeah. Uh, did we even, we, did we call it that triathlon life? I don't, I don't think even so. Know. It might have been just like. It was still just under my YouTube channel. Yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. But it's yeah, a fun was, vlog though. It's a fun vlog. And I think oh, a yeah. lot of the aspects of that race are still applicable to when yeah. we raced in 2019. So if you want to see what the race is like, the course is like, we really did that video as like tour guide style. We went through the course a little bit, where to stay, all that stuff. So it's yeah. it's a good one to reference. For some reason, I clicked through it the other day and rewatched it. So YouTube every once in a while will recommend another video. Maybe that's why. Anyway, the question is uh, the top three tips. Uh, I, I wrote down three, but uh, maybe I should go last. You, you, you guys might have more insight. Oh, we have to think. We have to think of three tips for you don't Indian have to wealth. Think, you don't have to think of three. I thought of three, but you could just maybe something that sticks out in your mind that makes that race special that you think, if you knew for the the first time, would be especially appropriate. Wow, we haven't been there for three years. Um, you, you definitely, I, I don't know what we ended up deciding is most optimal, but you really need to consider where you're going to stay because it's a point to point transition, and the lake is not near anything. Um, the, do you check out where the pool is? There's like a community center pool. And then the transition area is at the tennis center. Um, I have my three things. I'll say them real fast is that that course, you can pretty much stay arrow the entire time other than the turnaround. So mm-hmm. maybe in your training, make sure that you're spending a lot of time down in the bars because yeah. there's like, there's no climbs. Yeah. Um, it's just flat the whole time. So get used to that. Then I would say the golf course for the run is never, ever flat and straight. Yeah. It's always winding around, and I did not love that. So maybe prepare yourself mentally and physically for that. And then finally, and this is also somewhat of a throwback to something that we said in previous podcasts recently, is that it can be very, very, very cold the morning of that race. It's in yeah. December in the desert, and the desert seems like it's hot. It does get hot, but in the mornings and at night, it's very cold. So make sure you have something for your feet before the swim. And that might even be an old pair of running shoes that you don't know what to do with. Uh, that was from Boris. Boris said that, that that was a good idea for before a swim in a race, kind of like right before the swim, instead of having a pair of flip-flops, you can have an old pair of shoes that you weren't going to use. Wow, Nick, way to combine it, two questions slash uh, comments into one thing. Wow. You got it. Yeah, no, it's a good tip. Someone said like in a previous podcast, we're wondering what to do with old running shoes. You can use them before a swim start and then not be sad about leaving them there. Exactly. I think those are really good tips, Nick. I mean, those oh, were good you. reminders for me, even I forgot that it's cold. <laughs> there you go. So, <laughs> yeah. I, other than that, I've, I, that race was cool. And if you want to go fast, it's a good place to go fast on the bike. One of my favorites. I other think than fin- the turnarounds. Finishing at the the tennis gardens is really cool. It's like really a beautiful venue. So um, I just remember really liking it last time. Also. Uh, Mike says, been following for a while, initially down to Eric's filming style. Now I feel like all of you are my triathlon home team, always rooting for you. Keep it going. Keep inspiring. The season has been amazing, Mike. 
Thanks, Mike. Thank you, Mike. Thanks, Mike. Next question. Hi, gang. Congrats on second at Worlds, Paula, and impressed to swim at Worlds, Eric. I was so sad to hear about Eric's DNF. Question for all of you. What kind of cheers do you like hearing at your races? Are there any that encourage you the most? Would you like to hear looking strong even when you're clearly struggling, or should I just clap? I love everything triathlon because of all the content you all make. Thank you. So we've kind of talked about this before in a previous podcast, but... Is there something that's like a general thing that you think you and other pros like to hear? Or is there anything that either of you feel like you're different than other people that you don't want to hear? One thing I do like hearing is my name because I think that's really cool and people like know who you are. Um, Doesn't matter what it's accompanied with, but just when I was running with Flora and Lucy, I heard my name (laughs) so much. And I was like, how are people cheering for me when I'm running with like the Olympic champion and the world champion? Like, right, right. They should be cheering for them. But honestly, I am sure that I had the most cheers. So, anyway, I really like that. And also, I like accurate information about gaps, but not when gaps are growing to the person in front of me. Like, people giving me gaps to Taylor Nib. Not useful. Don't want to hear it. Don't want to hear it. People giving me gaps to Emma Pallant Brown, who's running up, helpful. Right. So just, you know, just be considerate of that. If if Taylor's seven minutes ahead, I don't need to hear it. But if like someone's 30 seconds ahead, that's good to know. Right. What about you, Eric? What if someone says, keep the mustache? Is that good? Um, No, I would say the same thing as Paula for the most part, knowing that someone recognized you and I don't know, just... Looking strong is meh, but just the more like theatrical you are and stuff, just it's kind of fun. Someone did say to me, fast like Flynn. Fast like, like Flynn. Not only do you know my name, you know my dog's That's name. That's even better. That's like yeah. two levels deep. Fast like yeah. Flynn. Yeah, do that chair for me. Do that for me. The name thing is that it is really nice. Yeah, I didn't really think of that because that's just, it's a little more human than looking strong, which feels like this kind of blanket statement. Yeah. And then the next question is related, so I'll go right into it. Uh, it's more directed more towards Paula and Eric. Uh, I was racing in St. George that weekend and ran into both of you at the grocery store before a race. I was caught <laughs> off guard when I ran into you guys awkwardly saying hi and good luck and moved on. Uh, are there certain times you don't want fans approaching you? I assume the evening before a race might be one of these times. Sorry. <laughs> I do remember this. Nick, you were there as well. We were like yeah. in the self-check <clears throat> and we were getting... Uh, Something for di- like literally the night before my race, we were getting dinner stuff. I don't mind it ever, unless you're unless you're late for something. But how no. are they ever going to know? No, I, I don't. I don't mind it. Like th- that was just. I apologize if I was not as uh, like nice as usual because we were in this like we got to get in, we got to get food, and we got to get back to the Airbnb and chill out. And like it's been such a long day, so we were like. And we had just left, I think, like a press conference or something. So we're just like, oh, okay, that's over. Let's go get groceries. Right, right. Um, but, but it doesn't, I don't think anyone should ever hesitate, especially no, when fine. we're at a race like that. It's it's really cool for us. It doesn't happen in our day-to-day lives. Like no, no one's reckoning no. Us, recognizing us at Safeway and Bend. So when people at a race do, it's cool. We appreciate it. It takes no time from us. It adds energy for me and happiness. I'll say that sometimes when I'm like 10 feet behind you walking with a camera filming you, the amount of people that walk by that like recognize you a second after was like the appropriate time to say hi and turn around. Eric, I feel like I feel bad for those people. I'm like, don't say something. Just like go tap them on the shoulder or something, you know, go say hi. No, Mr. Chance. But yeah, so yeah, that's nice. That's nice to hear. Cause I sometimes wonder that too, if you guys are like sick of it ever, but it seems like you're not. No, I don't. I don't think that'll. Uh, I don't think that'll, that'll ever get, get old. old. Yeah, it's pretty. It's pretty cool. 
And then finishes with P.S., Kudos for Nick and during Ironman Wisconsin in the weather you had. I've done that race before and don't and can't imagine doing it in the wet. Edwin, yeah, it was that was fun. Um, next question is from Craig from Winters, California. I don't even know where that is. I guess California is pretty big though. Greetings, Flynn. Who's a good boy? You know you are. Tell your mom, dad, and uncle that I enjoy the pod and major congrats to Eric's win at Santa Cruz. Paula's runner up in St. George and a belated congrats to Nick on the Emmy. Oh, Craig, you were oh, you almost had it there. An Emmy is a prize given for TV shows. Yeah. Grammy is for music, but still very much appreciated. Um, ask your mom, dad, and uncle if they ever suffer from insomnia. And what is their line in the sand for skipping or rescheduling a workout when you've only gotten a few hours of sleep? Uh, he's, uh, he, he then kind of gives a little context to himself. He's like 57 years old and has to wake up in the middle of the night to pee. But... Does this ever happen to you? It seems like neither of you really struggle with not being able to sleep at night. Uh, false. I'd say false. Eric, Eric struggles a lot because his brain oh. is too active. I yeah. don't really have I any I just sometimes problems. get a text from Eric at like 11 o'clock at night. I'm like, oh, that's not good. Yeah. 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 Um, like I've, I think it's gotten better, but there's still just days where it, where it's tough. Like tonight might be hard just because we're podcasting right up until bedtime. But I've kind of just tried to get into this ha- habit of not editing or working on work stuff from like 8 p.m. till 9 p.m. when we go to bed. Instead, we'll try to walk, watch a hockey game or, I don't know, watch right. van videos or something. <laughs> van videos. <laughs> Otherwise, yeah. But, but I, like, think, I think what Craig said in his email is he'll wake up to go to the bathroom or something and then his brain gets going, that's he right. goes and lies back in bed yep, and can't right. fall back to sleep. So that, I think, is something Eric definitely experiences because sometimes yeah. I'll briefly wake up and he'll be like sitting up in bed doing something and at 2 a.m. And that's because he's thinking about stuff. And like if you just aren't, if you're sleeping through it, it's fine. But um, yeah, I think a, a good trick for that is to not get up and look at your mm-hmm. phone, obviously. But a lot of I people have do this that. problem sometimes, but it has nothing, it has, it's, it has more to do with things that are happening in my daily life that are just too occupying too much of my brain and give me anxiety. And I, I can't stop thinking about them at yeah. night. I, and I, I haven't had yeah. it recently just because I think my life has been a little more in order. So that's a, that's a hard, yeah. That's yeah. A, I can't think of a good tip for that. Eric, have you figured out anything? Uh, yeah. Usually what I do when I kind of like have that sensation that that's starting to happen, I'll just, I'll try to get up and go make myself like a snack and I'll go out and like make myself one of my cereal bowls. It has like three different types of cereal and like raisins and just try to like go through a process that occupies my brain <laughs> with like as few lights on as possible. And then just like try to go back to bed. And if sometimes I'll lay down on the couch cause I feel like a little change of location is, I don't know. Th- those, those are like my top two things. Just like just go and make sugar. yourself a cereal just put parfait. Just a bunch of sugar right into your night. system. That's what's going to help yeah. you sleep. 500 calories. <laughs> I mean, it could be anything, but just that's the, like the only thing that I've found that like gives me something to do when I start to feel like that yeah. slippery slope of thoughts, you know. Interesting. Eating is a coping mechanism. Uh, yeah, yeah, well, we all do, we all know about that. <laughs> we all know I about know. that. I do it too. I mean, the, 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 the second part of that is just that a lot of times if I'm waking up in the middle of the night, it's probably because I'm a little bit hungry oh. and I just don't even know it. I always forget that I could eat in the middle of the night. Yeah. When I like go to bed. <laughs> oh, that's I, an option. <laughs> <laughs> wow. It's fourth meal. Yeah. <laughs> what about second dinner? 
Um, okay, next question is from Ben. Just wanted to propose a topic for discussion. Is pre-clipping into your bike shoes in T1 proven to be faster for pros? It seems like taking 20 extra seconds to put on your shoes in transition would not make or break your race when everyone else is fumbling around with their shoes while riding. Uh, there is a point to be made about damaging your cleats while running. Time spent moving on the bike is better than time spent standing still. I'm curious to hear what everyone's thoughts are. I mean, if every single pro, I guess, well, I guess in 70.3, not every single pro does do a flying mount. I mean, he's not just talking about flying it's mounts. It's 100% faster, yes. To put your, to pre-clip your shoes and do the elastic laces and then put them on as you're moving. Right. Because you get up to speed with your feet on your top of your shoes. Right. And then when you're at it, like before a corner or whatever, you slide them in. That should be a fast process because you should have practiced by now right. if you're a pro. And then do them up and you're gone. And if like the clunkiness and the slow running you have to do by putting them on in transition and like duck walking your way out is not a fast move. So can you confirm this for me? So like I think of Lucy Charles, who obviously is like an insanely good athlete, but she doesn't do a flying mount. But she it's still a, he's does. Not, he's not talking her, her, about a flying mount. Her shoes are still on the bike. Yeah, yeah that's what yeah. I was wondering. So no pro will run with their shoes on. No. Unless you're Lionel... Sanders. Right. Oh, does Lionel do that? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Sometimes. Um, so yeah, that that makes a lot of sense. So like that time spent putting the shoes on, you might as well be have forward momentum of some kind. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And yeah. I'll just I'll just add that I put my feet straight into my shoes. Oh, you don't bike. put them on top. Nope. Slide wow. them in first go and just start pedaling, and then you can cool. do the strap up whenever you want. Yeah. That's that's, that's an cool. advanced skill though. That's wow. an advanced skill. That's really cool. Yeah, I'm just saying for pros, that. like we have spent hours and hours and hours practicing this as we grew up in the sport, and so it is absolutely not a slowdown while right. riding. Right. Cool. Uh, next question is from Sophie. Hi, all. Congrats, Paula, on the great race. Definitely stopped working as I was glued to the race. Yeah, I imagine a lot of us were probably like that. Uh, I recently joined a new gym, and their spin bikes have power meters. I do not have one on my bike and don't plan on getting one soon. Is it better to ride on a stationary bike with a power meter or ride my bike on a trainer without data? I'm currently doing a longer base training block and plan to get back on the bike when I start my build phase. My goal is to come in the top part of my age group, which is in the Athena category. I appreciate all of your content and I'm excited to keep getting better at swim, bike, run. Thanks, Sophie. Yeah, sure. I mean, they're not accurate at all. That's exactly what I was going to say. I have experienced it firsthand that they are, they're not accurate. They're, they're, in fact, they could be like 50 or 100 watts off. But I would say as long as you're, if you're using it as a way to gauge your effort and compare from week to week, if you're on the same spin bike at the gym, that's a totally fine metric to use. Like, I don't know, say you're doing like a minute at 200 watts, a minute at 100 watts. Who cares if that's actually 200, 100? It's an effort level. So as long as it's consistent, which is what we've always said, as long as it's consistent, that matters much more. Yeah. Like using the same bike, even jumping between bikes at the gym could change a lot. So use the same one if you can. Uh, A little tip I'll give from my perspective is some of those bikes you can pair with your watch. And if they pair with your watch, then you can also calibrate them from your watch. Uh, so at oh, wow. le- you could at least do that. And if you are going to use a bike that's at the gym, I would say calibrate it before every single ride you do. I still yeah. don't know if you could be guaranteed that it's going to be accurate, but at least you're going to improve your chances. Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, next question is from Josh. Uh, Josh says, I had never heard of TTL until I met Eric and Paula in St. George in 2021, randomly at a pop-up. 
which by the way, if you met them at 2021, that means you also met me in 2021. You just don't remember that I was there. (laughs) Um, I think near Sand Hollow. Since then, I've been increasing my consumption of TTL to the point of becoming a super fan. I was stoked for the opportunity to say hi again this year at 70.3 World Championships, but disappointingly, I went the whole week without hearing about any pop-up locations and times. I eventually resorted to interrogating strangers on the street who I noticed with a sweet 2022 TTL hats, but then it was too late. For future events, how do I get a heads up about the meetup spots in advance? Well, we kind of said, we said on the podcast to check the That Triathlon Life Instagram page. And I guess, Paula, do you want to describe exactly where need to, people need to look for that? Because I guess it's not as straightforward as I'm making it seem. Yeah. Yeah. So if you follow Eric, me, or That Triathlon Life on Instagram, we'll post on our story usually. So those are the little bubbles that turn up at the top of your Instagram. If you're not Instagram an Instagram person, I will admit it'll be a little hard to know when we're meeting up. That's kind of just our quickest and easiest way to do that because it's such a last minute decision where and when we're going to do it. So it's it's not super easy for us to like say it on the podcast a week early. We had to kind of suss out like where we were going to do it, how it worked out with our day. So we literally sometimes post the night before it happens, like kind of late. So uh, Also, since I'm newly a paid pod subscriber, I'm going to slip in a second question. I'm looking into getting on an espresso machine and I'm considering the Breville Barista as a capable and affordable introductory unit. Will I have buyer's remorse if I go with the Breville rather than a prosumer grade machine? Josh. And I feel like, Eric, am I right? Did you already recommend that exact machine before? Yeah, I don't think you'll have buyer's remorse. Actually, uh, that machine is very easy to use and very forgiving. So I think you'll be able to get like a lot of satisfaction out of it really quickly. Whereas if you went up to like what we have, which is the Profitech Pro 500 plus the Eureka Mignon Silenzio grinder, wow, that's like a bit. Mo- I'm just I'm assuming this person would be interested, right? In knowing <laughs> right, exactly right. what we have, right? Uh, and I get that question on Instagram a lot. Um, there's a bit more of a learning curve of getting the grinds exactly right on the machine and, and just and all of the things. So I think the Breville Barista Pro is like very forgiving and fun to use pretty quickly. Yeah, for example, I don't use our machine. I don't touch it. Eric makes me coffee because I just do not know. And I, whenever I try it, it tastes disgusting. But on the Breville Pro, which we have in Canmore, I can do it myself. And it's still like a bit of a... You know, it's not like a drip machine. You still do the grinds and the tamping and all the things, but it's a lot, like easy, like Eric said, easier on a person that's not interested in becoming a barista. Yeah, cool. And I don't know if we want to say this, but we are working on getting the Lamorzaco machine uh, into the hands of Eric and Paula. <clears throat> Um, I mean, we're going to more on that, more on that soon. One way or another, whether we have to lay down our hard earned yeah. money and Flynn has to not eat for a month, we are going to get a La Marzocco. Right. You're the La Marzocco. You are causing <laughs> Flynn to go hungry. Flynn will never go hungry. Oh my God. That boy, he eats better than any of us. Yeah. Now Paul and I will have to take a he eats what? meeting first he eats what duck. <laughs> before he does. He eats what one duck. duck. That's very nice. Very nice. Um, okay. Next question is from... Amnon, I think that's right. Hello, Paula, Eric, and Nick. My name is Amnon, and I'm from Israel. I did my first sprint try a month ago at the age of 49, mainly for fun and as a practice goal. I love your pod and watch you. You know what? I can tell I'm getting older because this screen has not moved, and it is harder to read than before. 
My eyes are getting worse. Oh, gosh. Okay. I love your pod and watched your YouTube channel for years. I would like to know about your warm-up schedule before a race. Do you only do a swim warm-up like stretching and bands? Do you need to do some leg warm-ups for the bike section? Or do the swim warm-up and the swim itself is enough to warm up for the whole race? Uh, keep up the good vibes. Best regards, Amnon. I love this question. Thanks for writing in. All the way from Israel. That's amazing. Um, this is a hard question because a lot of the time age group athletes aren't allowed to warm up in the water. So swim warm-ups are off the table. I think the most important thing before a race is just to get your heart rate up one way or another. So usually the easiest way to accomplish that is to do like a five to 10 minute run and then do some arm swings and activation that would get you ready for, for the swim. But not necessary to do a bike warm up and often impossible to because you got to check your bike in before whatever it is. Um, but you do definitely warm up and get your heart rate up during the swim portion of the race. So once you get on your bike, you'll be you'll be totally fine. But to get ready for the swim part, just do some kind of motion before, um, and usually that's running. Agree, Eric? Yeah. The only thing that I would add that I like to do is like. I don't know if you know the the exercise runner's touch, um, which is where you're on one leg and you kind of do the Superman sort of thing, and then like some squats and some like lunges. I like to kind of do some of those things that go through the range of motion that you would experience while biking. I usually will do that like right after I do, yeah, like a 15 minute or a 10 minute run warm up, just to like try to get hip mobility ready for the bike. That's particularly applicable to Eric because of his hip issues. So he focuses way more on that than most people might, but still an applicable thing for. I remember hearing that if you do have access to your bike, which is very rare at like an Ironman race, but more so at local races, I've heard that you, when you, if you do warm up, you want to do it in reverse order of the race, like run, bike, swim. Have you ever heard that? Is that true? No, that's wrong. Oh, there you go. <laughs> False. Uh, no, that's dumb. <laughs> um, I mean, I, I guess I see where they're where they're going with that. Just because you, if you're going to do a swim warm up, that's got to be the last thing that you do. You right. can't do a swim warm up and then take do your wetsuit off and go do it. Yeah, yeah. Right. maybe logistically that should be the order. Yeah, but I don't think it makes it. Your body doesn't. At know. an Ironman race, though, it's basically impossible to do a bike warm up. So yeah, yeah. Well, good because I never do any of those anyway. So I, I'm glad. Um, next question is from Allie. I put this one here because I know how excited you are about this, Paula. Uh, hi, all. Instagram made it look like Paula is now the proud owner of a new Dyson Airwrap. Is this true? If so, Paula, please drop your review. Is it less time-consuming post-swim than a regular dryer? Thanks from another redhead swimmer, Allie. Uh, yeah, it is. Uh, yeah. It's called an Airwrap. Yes. Uh, I don't even know what it's called, but it's a it's stupidly is expensive it by Dyson? dryer. Yeah, Dyson makes okay. it. It's a hair dryer. I've wanted one for probably five years now because a lot of like the hair salons that I go to have one and they're just very, very, very nice. Um, Holly Lawrence lent me hers in St. George to try and I used it a few times. It was instantly sold because of the following factors. It does significantly de- decrease the drying time. And one thing I don't like is standing for 10 minutes in a bathroom <laughs> drying my hair. It feels like such a waste of time. This probably cuts it in half. I'm not lying. And the heat is not as intense. So I feel like it's a lot better for your hair. It kind of has this like weird soft air feel is like the one way to describe it. But it's not this intense blowing heat where it feels almost so hot, hot that it's scalding your scalp. Right. It's a much gentler flow of air. 
but also at the same time dries your hair faster. So it's basically magic. You should invest in one and you will not regret it. Wow. All of a sudden I'm thankful for my male pattern baldness after hearing all that. <laughs> I, I can confirm because I've used a hair dryer a couple times in my life. It's weird how soft it is. It's like, I don't know, it's like a regular hair dryer is like somebody coughing and a the Dyson is like kittens purring. It's like an angel's your- kiss. <laughs> wow, Dyson, slide into our DMs for the sponsorship. Jeez. Yeah, I will say this was not a sponsored post. I spent my hard-earned money. A lot. Those Dyson things. Never loses suction, but takes all your money. The other thing is, like, I bought a Dyson vacuum cleaner about five years ago, and it broke. So I'm like, I'm oh, never really? buying Dyson things ever again. But I'm hoping that's just because of the heavy usage of the vacuum. I'm not using this hair dryer every single day. I don't know. Hopefully it'll last more than a few years. And if it does, I'd say I got my money's worth. Yeah, wow. <laughs> I think that Dyson vacuum was designed for like a 400 square foot. Not an entire little, huge home. Yeah, we had like a three-story townhouse. Right. Yeah, and I was like going hard every day. Okay, yeah. anyway. Okay, next question is from Eric, not our Eric, but another Eric. Well, also our Eric, but not this Eric. Uh, Greetings from Chicago. As an older (laughs) athlete, 59 years old, I'm paying far more attention now to flexibility and mobility. Have you ever incorporated yoga into your training? Have you ever used an impact massager like a Theragun? Rollers or sticks? Best of luck with the La Morzocco machine. We have had the same machine for three years, and it has been rock solid. Do you think when people are writing these questions, they're in their minds, they're like they're calling it a Zuko, like what Nick Nick You know what? I usually hate when people do that, so I don't know why I'm doing it. Like if I'm at an <laughs> Italian restaurant in the U.S., I'll pronounce things wrong just so that I don't sound like the guy who's pronouncing it in Italian. So yeah, let me see. Yeah, yeah. A rose uh, cone polo? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Mexican uh, restaurant? A penny a la vodka. Uh, <laughs> uh, best of luck with Lamarzacco mini. Wait, what do Americans say? Lamarzacco? I mean, we don't sound like that, Nick. We say La Marzocco. It's it's not like a Marzocco. It's just Marzocco. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sorry for being right. Jeez, gosh. Hearing you say it just makes me want it more. Just say it. There you go. Well, that's why I'm increasing the value of the product, of course. Okay, the reason I put this question in is because I did a few yoga classes last week with Lindsay Corbin, and I uh, used to do yoga like five times a week. I was so addicted to it. And it was, yeah, it was so. I cannot believe that. Why? It's so like, I feel like you're like, go, go, go. And yoga is like, not go, go, go. You have the wrong impression of me. I, I mean, I went to like power flow. It was still hard. I went to hot okay. power it was flow. Like exercise right. okay, yoga. So the hardest like, version of yoga. Got down it. Down yep. dog for five minutes. Got it. Yeah. Got it. <laughs> but I think it can be really good for you. I also think that, like I did, you can overdo it. And it's not necessarily a great thing to be doing like bent over stretches excessively. And I did get quite sore from it, like in my upper body and stuff. So there's a strength aspect. There's a stretching aspect. I think it's a good thing to incorporate, but not go overboard with. Um, Yeah. And also it just obviously brings a little bit of peace, breathing, an hour of like focused breath, I think is what makes me feel so good afterwards. You don't really do that in any other aspect of life. So it's uh, good for the mind as well as the body. And if you have the time for it, I would 100% recommend. Actually, the reason I stopped going is because of COVID. So for two years, I didn't go to a single yoga class. And then Lindsay's been going and invited me. And I was reminded of why I love it so much. And I'm having to hold back and not go too much now that I'm you know, training a lot and everything. But it's one of my favorite activities. 
That's cool. Eric, have you ever done any yoga? Yeah, I've, I've done like two classes with Paula. Okay. And that's the extent other. of your yoga. Yeah, I mean, I agree. I totally love it. I think it's it's good and it's like exactly like it's a good thing for me, especially with my hips and everything. I, when I do it, I feel good and stable and more flexible and everything. It's just um, like Paula said, it's really hard to fit in with a full training load because of the time to drive to the studio and do it and the whole thing. So, How about you, Nick? Do you do yoga? Uh, I have done it before. It feels like the time just drags on so much. It's really hard for me to like, I think my ADD gets the best of me when it's happening. And I'm just like, how we've, have we been here for 10 minutes? I feels like we've been here for an hour. Yeah. That is something that gets easier as you do it more. Yeah. I imagine. I mean, and would probably be a healthy thing for you to like yeah. be able to tolerate the one hour of moving and not think about the time. But yeah. I know it's, I know you're, like that you're, too. you're right. You're a hundred percent right. Um, I did go to a bunch of classes before when I had a gym membership, and now I just don't. It feels silly to pay for a gym membership, but maybe it's not. I would also say that, okay, not to drag on too much about this, but um, yoga at the gym is is not always the best. Like going to a specific yoga studio with teachers that are super well-trained specifically in yoga versus like maybe a fitness instructor that's crossing over and doing some yoga. The the experience is so different. It's like they, they... it's kind of like you presenting La Marzocco. Like they know the names of all the poses, like the proper right, names. Right, and you're just right, like, wow, I'm right. so zen. I'm alming with everyone. <laughs> right, right, it's a different. Right, right. And there's no shortage of yoga studios in Santa Monica, obviously. So I, 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 probably, I probably could. Can I say one more thing about yoga? Oh my God. <laughs> yes, please. Not to drag it on, but not, six comments ahead, later. Not to drag it on, but I'm a huge <laughs> proponent of yoga. And the more I talk about it, the more I'm getting into it. It's a little bit expensive, but most yoga studios have like a one month beginner special for like $39 or something. So if you can just pay pay that and then go maybe four times in a month, once a week, that's like $10 a class, super affordable and see if you like it. That most studios have kind of an introductory offer like that. And then just change your identity every month and you can keep doing that over and over again. Or go to a different studio. Thank you for that. Thank you for that in-depth uh, <laughs> yoga dissertation, Paula. <laughs> Uh, Next question is from Amy. Hi, Paula, Eric, Nick, and Flynn, of course. Nick, my question is mostly for you. Do you choose and cut all of the music for the pod? And how did you like living in Boston when you were at Berkeley? Did you have any favorite routes for biking and running? Thank you all for keeping us inspired. Amy from Boston. So first of all, I don't know exactly what she means by choose and cut all the music for the pod. I, I I think there's two options here. Either she's talking about like the literal theme song of the pod and like little musical numbers that we do for the sections on the pod, in which case I don't choose those. I made those. I that's uh, <laughs> professionally I make stuff like this, so I made those. And then the music for the YouTube show, I have nothing to do with. That's all Eric, and Eric chooses all of that music and edits it all himself. Very rarely uh, I will have like a song that Eric will put on the show, but for the most part, it's all music that Eric chooses. Eric, like, I feel like you get a lot of attention for the music that you put in the YouTube show. Yeah. Like people really seem to like it a lot. I agree. You have a real knack for it. Is there any, like, can you attribute that to anything? Or do you feel like you just love music and that's the natural expression of that? Mm, I do really like music and... Um, you and I have talked about this because, like, I'll send you music that, that's not podcast, not vlog music. You know, it's just like regular mainstream music. And you said you couldn't really figure out what genre or like what it is that makes me want to send you things. But I think that we kind of honed in on it's really just like an emotion. 
And when I listen to a piece of music that really gives me a strong sense of emotion for anything, whether it's like elation on a bike ride or it's like I'm kind of in a moody mood like while I'm running on the treadmill, um, I think that's probably like what how I identify music that I like is that it fits a mood. And that plays really well into making the vlog every week because like I don't just try to throw in a really big heavy beat all the time to just like get you hyped up, hyped up, hyped up. Um, like if it's the intro for the song, for the vlog, I try to give something that's like got a little bit of intrigue and maybe matches the intro. And then you like build a little bit as you get through the episode, then you hit a climax point where it is maybe the most intense music. And then there's something that's, that's more resolved feeling at the end. And that's just like a natural story arc. And I don't know, maybe, maybe that's my talent is like, I can identify music that really feels like it represented that moment and the emotion of the moment that I'm trying to portray in the show. I, the thing is, you say it, and it seems so obvious when you say it, but this is something that my students struggle with a lot, and they've already gone through undergraduate and now are in a graduate degree program, is that the um, emotion of music is what pulled us to music in the first place. It was never mm. s- listening to how skillful someone was. That was then like a secondary thing. Like, we all fell in love with music because of how it made us feel when we listened to it. And yeah. so, it, I feel like this, there's a kind of a parallel thinking here. My students, when they try to use all their technical skills at once in every song versus focusing on the emotion, that's the same thing. It's like you don't have to use the super hypey music all the time in all your videos. You can instead match the emotion and like take the viewer on this journey with you and like contextualize your images in a way that a, a dubstep track or whatever would be inappropriate for. Yeah, totally. And, and just for a little background, too, I, I also, like everyone here played music. Like, I, I played trumpet and euphonium in high school. I was like pretty good at it. it. Was in the top level band and did improv, improv and jazz band. So like I do feel like I have a little bit of grasp on music and, and the emotion of it. And but and yeah, Paula, anyway, I, I don't, don't think know. people know what instrument you played. I I played well. My mom actually plays this instrument very well, and I played it because we had one in the house. Was kind of the main reason. Right, um, got it. The trombone. That would have been my. 44th guess, I think. Yeah. Well, I have a really musical family. My uncle plays in the Toronto Symphony Orchestra the trombone. My aunt plays the French horn. My other aunt plays the trumpet. And my mom is really, really good at uh, the trombone as well, like played it through university. And my cousin just got a job with the Edmonton Symphony Orchestra pay- playing the bass. Oh, the contrabass. Yeah. The yeah, bass right. of the string, right? Yeah. With the, with the yeah. bow. Yeah. 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 So very musical family. I was not good at the trombone, but I can still play O Canada with it. Oh, very nice. And like blowing good. into that little thing. Like that that's a skill. Blowing it is, into 100%. that. Oh yeah. I can't play trombone. Because you you literally have to like move the shape of your lips to the note. Yeah. I picked up my trumpet and tried to play, I think like four years ago. I made it through like two minutes before Your I just, mouth was just I couldn't even feel my mouth. Jelly. The trumpet yeah. is the trumpet is such a tighter lip feel yeah. like the trombone. You gotta have like loose lips. Yeah, it's like same with like with like a tuba. You can fit like the whole your whole face in that yeah, mouthpiece. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> loose lips, loose oh, lips. Man. I love it. I love it. Okay, next okay, question. Yeah, so we're, we are, wait, oh, actually, sorry, I never answered this question. Um, in Boston, I loved running on like the Esplanade and like around Jamaica Pond and like down Commonwealth Ave. But at the time, I was I was just riding a fixie very much for fun. Like I didn't know about Strava. I was just enjoying the city, and the bicycle was my means of getting around. So I didn't I didn't have 
triathlon in Boston, but those places, I really like those places, and I absolutely love Boston. So there's the answer to that question. Sorry. Um, (laughs) Long-winded. Next question is from Matt. Dear TTL team, I have a very serious triathlon question related on nutrition. I see you have the uni pizza oven. What is your (laughs) go-to dough recipe for when you have company during the off-season? So no rush in cutting corners. Which model, propane or wood, or both? I have the Gosney rack box and love it. Love everything you all do. Grazie mille, Matt. Grazie mille. If I'm picturing the right thing, those Gosney ones are, like, beautiful. Well, why does he want to know what uni we have, then, if he has a beautiful pizza oven? Well, he's like Eric with vans. It doesn't matter. He's going to have the nicest van in the world. He's still going to be looking at van videos of people building up from scratch. That's true. He's a pizza oven person. Um, We have the uni propane-powered whatever. We bought it with our own money, like most things that we advertise on this podcast, apparently. (laughs) Dang it. Wait, this isn't working out at all. There's so much money on the table here. And uh, our go-to recipe is to not make our own dough. We actually buy it every time. And we really like the Trader Joe's dough. We've tested every dough from like every grocery store slash bakery and bend. And the Trader Joe's dough is a quarter of the cost and makes really good pizza. Yeah, that's great. I've had it. It is incredibly good. Yeah. Recipe: Drive to Trader Joe's. Yeah, I right. wish I wish I was like you know no, into no. making everyone, dough. But everyone I know buys the dough from a grocery store as well. Mm-hmm. I don't know anyone that makes it at home. Well, it's it'd a be a fun act. It'd be a fun activity, but for the most part, when we get to dinner time, it's like we're we need something quickly. Yeah. and it requires some like, preconceived effort. Yeah, yeah. actually, we, we do have a friend. We have a good friend Ryan who you also has a pizza oven. He makes fantastic dough. So when we when he's able to come to pizza night, we eat like kings. Got it. Um, Okay, well, there you go. There's your pizza answer. Next question is from Todd. Hey, TTL Empire, since Nation seems too small. Lots of talk about when to replace tri equipment. One I haven't heard y'all talk about is saddles. I've had my ISM Adamo saddle for five years. It's scuffed and has a small tear, but otherwise seems fine. Is there some standard time or use or something to specifically look for? Thanks. Love the podcast, my Sherpa wife, and I listen religiously. Thanks, Todd. So I guess my question for you would be, how much does the padding matter versus the shape of a saddle? I, I think the big thing here is just whether or not the padding is ultimately like degrading or breaking down. So if you sit on it and it creates a hammock shape and that's creating any unnecessary pressure or the effect of your saddle height being a little bit lower, then that might be time to upgrade your saddle. But if, if it feels fine and nothing's wrong, like I would say don't, don't mess with it. Yeah, it depends how much you ride your bike, too. Like five years, if you're riding your bike every day, it's for sure degrading to some extent, I would say. But if you ride your bike once a week, and it's it's there's nothing about it that would make it break down. So like Eric said, if it starts to kind of like hammock and then you do go to get a new one, you just have to consider that with your bike fit because you might be a few millimeters higher with a new saddle that's super stiff or has more cushioning than your old saddle did. But people, I think we talked to Heather Jackson about this. She doesn't like changing saddles because it does kind of like mold to you a little bit. And then to switch feels a bit uncomfortable at first and you have to break it in again. So I don't know. It's kind of personal preference. Heather also weighs 86 pounds, so she doesn't break down saddles. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. That's true. That's true. No, I'd never considered the weight of the person. If you weigh 300 pounds, you're going to break down a saddle more. Yeah, because that saddle doesn't know, right? It's ready for whatever kind of weight person. Yeah, that yeah. saddle doesn't know what's hitting it. <laughs> oh, it's <laughs> oh, no. 
That's like whenever I get on my bike, my son's like, oh, you again? Oh, please, no. Why me? me? Okay. <laughs> this is not a, a negative thing about body weight no, it's at a, all. It's, just a, it's a funny thought. I just, my brain instantly started like picturing Seinfeld. Yeah, doing hum, humanizing the saddle, personifying <laughs> the saddle. I just, the, the, the thing that I thought of with this question was like, I've seen saddles that don't have any padding. They're just like, uh, like a, a very specific shape. And some people with the right uh, bibs can ride a, a saddle that has no padding. It's just a shape that works well with their body. And like, yeah. if they can do that, I'm thinking like my saddles are very, very, very stiff. Like there's, it doesn't feel like there's that much padding to them. Yeah. But if they were a different shape, even if they were softer, I feel like they would not fit me as well. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Um, okay. Next and last question. Uh, this is from Tom from Vancouver. So a little hometown. Well, not really hometown, home country. Uh, hey, Feppin crew. Uh oh. Is this happening? Is Feppin happening? No. Flynn, Feppin, Eric, Flynn, Paul, Eric, Paul, and Nick. Nick. Yeah. Nope. I think, I think, I think Feppin. Beth came up with that last week. Um, <laughs> massive congrats to all of you on the TTL success this year on so many fronts. Finally sending in a podcast question after however many episodes it's been now. 42. Uh, as Paul's race recap last week brought up Descending from Snow Canyon, I realize Descending has been brought up in videos and the podcast previously, but I'm wondering where Paula thought she lost ground when compared to other athletes. And by when, I think uh, I think Tom means in what way. Uh, as I've experienced this frequently in races this season, even when they didn't have particularly technical descents, so not just in the case of breaking, Snow Canyon felt like a perfect example of this with less twists and turns. What do you feel like are the factors that make the biggest difference descending on a TT bike in triathlon? Um, for this, the answer is big, Eric's saying, big balls. Big balls. <laughs> <laughs> you got to have big balls, have no fear of going 70 kilometers an hour, head first down a hill with no brakes. It does seem like that is a big part of it. I know it it's, sounds funny, but it does seem like that is a big part of it. And to accomplish that, you have to push big watts downhill, which is not instinctively what people want to do. You get to a downhill, you're going fast, you kind of use it as an opportunity to let up maybe a little bit and take your foot off the gas to recover. But people that are really good and fast at descending will keep the pressure on even on a descent. They'll keep riding their race watts and have a big enough gear to do that. But will they keep, like if you're trying to average, let's say, 250 watts, do you think you should be averaging the same watts going up as going down? Well, it'll naturally fluctuate in a race. Like you're not riding Zwift here, but I would say you don't want to let it drop below 200, which right. I did for sure in the race, which was right. detrimental. So that didn't come from the inability to push watts downhill. It was the fear of going so fast downhill with wind, with all of the elements and the factors. So it, uh, I don't know if I can ever really train that fear completely out of me. It's a little bit ingrained in me, but you can definitely practice it and increase your comfort level. And when my coach was visiting last a few months ago, we practiced riding down Skyliner era, which was way out of my comfort zone, but helped enormously. Like on the third, he kept driving me up the hill and I'd ride down an arrow and I hated it. And then I do it again. It was a bit easier. Do it again. It's a bit easier. So doing it, gets you over that hump of like, oh, that was possible. I can do that again. Oh, I can do that again. And just realizing that the edge is so much further than what you think it is. My question for you would be, you, what would you put yourself, compared to other female pros, where would you put yourself in, let's say, 10 random people as far as confidence going fast in a straight line downhill? Bottom, bottom 10%. Okay, and now what about just going around a corner, not necessarily fast, but how do you feel like you're cornering is? Because I'm trying to also, figure out how, 
Oh, also same low. thing. Well, okay. I'm better at cornering, and I feel like I've, you can't lose as much time in a corner. But yeah. it was just mind-blowing to me how quickly some people were coming past right. me on the descents. Like, India Lee was just, like, hauling it past me yeah. on a real on that descent down Telegraph. If you guys did the race, yeah. it's just this, like, crazy, crazy steep hill. And I was like, oh, I'm not willing to go with that. But yeah. it, hopefully, like, the future me will be right. a little bit more willing So the to issue push isn't the just a technical issue. It really is, like, a, a fear-based thing. Totally. Yeah. I'd say it's 100% fear-based. Like, Paula is not even approaching the point at which, like, skills are coming into okay, staying upright. Right. Okay. No, no, I'm just saying, like, you're you're not anywhere. You're so far away from, like, going down a hill and, and turning from, like, where your tires would lose grip. It's... I think you're kind of like you're putting on the brakes before it becomes a majorly skill related, like how well yeah. are you cornering? Yeah, it's fear related. Yeah, I wasn't. I didn't mean that to be mean. I just it just was. <laughs> so yeah, you don't you don't Sorry. feel like people are necessarily coming around you in corners though, or do you feel like no. people are coming around? You? It's just like strong, long, fast stuff. Yeah. Well, there's yeah. not a lot of like fast Corner corners based. in yeah, Ironman right. triathlons. Yeah, it's true. Um, well, that was our last question. Uh, thank you, Tom, from Vancouver. This was our longest recording ever, but that's also because we had a little special pre-roll that's going to go out to the subscribers. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I was um, wondering why we were running into the 120 mark. Yeah, that's why. And then we also had a little snack break in the middle, which no one's going to know about. Oh, that's true. <laughs> it was not a snack break. It was a drink break. Oh, right, right, right. Drink break. Well, Eric and had a snack. Eric had a snack, yeah. Yeah. Cool. Well, that was fun. Um I felt so productive. We that was a lot of questions. That was the most questions we've ever answered. Wow. I'm I'm really like I'm trying to stick them as many as I, can. I feel so bad every time I see these questions. Some of them are so good, and I just want to want to get to them all. Yeah, Dick, I don't even did. send you half of them. I know, I know, I know. <laughs> wow. It's unbelievable. It's Imagine unbelievable. me. Well, yeah. you guys can all you can uh, support the podcast and send in your questions at thattriathlonlife.com/podcast. We always look forward to them. Do you guys have any f- finishing thoughts here? I was just going to say maybe maybe when we if we should like set a goal for like podcast plus program or something and then like maybe do like a bonus thing where we just like knock out a bunch of questions or something. Oh, like a bonus yeah. ec- when we're on off season, you know, and we got a little bit extra time in December, like maybe we do like a one week where we do an extra one or something and like get caught up. That's a great idea. I love that. This is a, this is a classic Eric and Nick. They're like, let's just add another podcast to the yeah. week when we're like <laughs> squeezing this in at 8 p.m. on a Tuesday. Oh this my is, gosh. Yeah. Well, I, uh, Eric comes up with an idea and instead of being like, well, let's think about this, I'm like, that sounds awesome. Let's yeah. do that. <laughs> add it in. Nick yeah. and I talking in a nutshell, elaborate and escalate. Yes. <laughs> oh, it's terrible. It's just like maybe a we can snowball also- down a hill. Maybe we can also record it and put it out as an extra bonus YouTube video. Yeah, let's do video too. Now we're thinking, Paula. <laughs> Paula, now you got ideas. I love that. That's all. We, we're back to a little bit of training this week. I'm hoping I can like dial back the World Championship training 20%, but still win the race. Very nice. I love that. I love <laughs> that's that. so cocky, but Me too. that's what I'm hoping. <laughs> Me too. We're all hoping that. We're all hoping that. Uh, okay, guys. Well, well, we'll see you next week. Yeah, thanks, guys. Later. Bye.